welcome tonight. I don't, maybe we need to do a, a study in the book of Ezekiel. I don't know. Anyone like Ezekiel? I mean, I, I always got a little prophetic touch on him, you know, as prepare. Do a book of, book of Ezekiel. Boy, get up into dry bun. Y'all can't handle Ezekiel yet. We started, there, there's, some, there's some crazy stuff in the book of Ezekiel. Just go read it. Man, I'll tell you what, all these reality shows, you're like Hulu, Netflix, you know, just read the Bible. There's some crazy old stuff up in there. I'm just telling you, you just read the Bible. Well, tonight, uh, night three of Prepare, my name is Pastor Chris uh, Lerma. I am the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. If I had not had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. And uh, I'm just so grateful. Uh, Our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, we heard from him night one. And uh, just uh, such a powerful message and just grateful for his investment into us, uh, for us as a church as a whole, all across DFW. We actually have seven locations that we're holding Prepare at. We, uh, we have our McKinney campus, but uh, due to limitations, and normally we'll have about 2,000 plus people at Prepare uh, just at our Keller campus, and then we'll have it out here as well, and so we, we'll have over 2,000 all together between our campuses. Well, can't have that many in a building necessarily with good social distancing, so we have a Marriott that we rented out in the, the North Fort Worth area. We got a group of people over there. We got a, uh, a uh, convention center, kind of, it's not a convention center, I guess it's like a uh, where you'd have like it's receptions and weddings called the Bowden Center, and we've got uh, students and families there. We've got watch parties. We have our McKinney camp, and so it's amazing to see. And so night one was great because we were able to all come together. Pastor Jeff shared um, just an amazing message, and then last night, Pastor Josh Cossey shared, and he was just, uh, I got, we were getting text all night. He was amazing, he was, uh, and he was. I mean, I really believe last night uh, was an impartation um, for us as a spiritual family, just on what it looks like to live a culture of faith. And uh, some of you, <coughs> excuse me, this is your first night, and you're going, I have no context what you're talking about, Pastor Chris. Here's what we did. We decided we got the team. This is what we're going to do. If you'll text this number... Text message to 972-232-1440. We'll actually send you a link. We'll respond to you. The team will get with you. We'll send you a link. You can access all of those. So if you're wanting to hear the messages again, uh, or if you're going, hey, I want to go back and listen to those, you can text message to this number right here, and uh, we'll make sure we get that to you. So that way you can go back and listen to those. Uh, 972-232-1440. Um, but it was, I mean, Pastor Josh's message was so good. And here's what was amazing is uh, last night, did y'all get it? You need him to throw it back up there? Some of y'all still writing it down. We'll throw it back up there real quick. Um, but, but last night, you know, just talking about faith, you know, God's up to some unique things out here at Milestone McKinney. And it's neat to see what God's doing. And, and that's not just like hyperbole and I'm just, that's not hype, Okay. We're not, it's not like, let's get all hype. At the end of the day, we're going to meet with Jesus because hype isn't going to change anybody. It's the presence of God. And last night, it was so neat because I was hearing a story of a young person who's just believing, <coughs> excuse me, for God to just do something in their life, bring clarity about next steps. And, and afterwards, they were talking with someone and just saying, God showed up. Like, I know that I, I know the direction I need to go. And they were just going, I want to live a life of faith. And it was just encouraging to see. And there's countless stories like that. People we've talked to, those that are texting myself or Wendy and different conversations that we're having, God is moving. He is up to something. He is working. And he is moving in our hearts and our lives. This is just the beginning. 
This is just the beginning. And so it's exciting to see. Uh, I've got a message I want to share with you tonight. Uh, Zechariah, I want you to open up your Bible. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, and then put your finger there or just kind of, I guess if it's on your phone, you just kind of, I don't know, tab it, bookmark it, whatever. And then we're going to go to Judges chapter 6. Okay, a little Old Testament here. Just kind of unpack some things for you. The title of tonight's message is, uh, What Are You Wearing? What are you wearing? You know, you have moments like this. You have, <clears throat> excuse me, moments like prepare. And, uh, you, you, you know, I don't know about you, but if you, you know, you come in and you're going like, what am I going to wear? Anyone wrestle with that? You come to prepare, you're like, I'm coming straight from work. I'm, I'm wearing what I wore to work. That's what I'm wearing, you know? And, and, and some of you, there's two types of people. You don't care what you're wearing. You're just showing up, right? You, you just like, how many, of you, how many of you know people like that? Some of you, you're married to people like that. You're like, babe, you can't wear Crocs to church, okay? You know, like, who said? Jesus wore Crocs, you know? Um, no, he didn't. Well, I'm sure if they had them, he'd wear them, you know? And some of you, you're like, okay, what am I, I got to do this, and I got to do that. And then, now, I've got three little girls in my house, okay? So it's a big deal because it's like, you know, what do I wear? And, and like, one, one little girl, you, you may know her. Her name's Willow. I've talked about her before. She's a real big uh, headband fan, and she's a real big fan of headbands with ears on them. But that girl, she can accessorize them now. She's got gold ones that go with gold outfits. She's got pink furry ones. She's got rainbow ones. She's got fuzzy ones. I mean, like, don't, 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 don't creep in on her. She's like, if this is what I'm wearing, these are the ears that go along with that, you know? And so you, you think about it. You know, you always, you, sometimes we don't even realize it. We think about what we're going to wear based on what we're going to experience. And sometimes when you come into moments like this and you're, you're at service and you've, you've been at prepare and you're wanting to hear from God, you've heard from God, he's brought some clarity, he's answered your prayers, whatever it may be, you can go, okay, well, what now? The biggest challenge sometimes is not prepare. Now, I know you're going, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, no, it's been a challenge. I've talked to some of y'all, you know. You're like, I can't, don't preach while I'm pastor. I want to go eat, you know. And them chips and salsa, I've been fasting three days. Them chips and salsa calling my name. Don't preach on, that's all right. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go about 60 minutes, okay. You'll be just fine, all right. And so, 60 minutes from now, right. No, I didn't, no, the, the intro didn't count. So, so y y you know, you're thinking about what do we do now? Where do we go? And so that's always a question that we're asking ourselves. And when I think about, you know, okay, so, so what now? When I think about what are you wearing, I, I'm reminded of, of my little girl, Meadow. She's, uh, she's six now. She just had a birthday. And uh, how many have kids, like young kids? Like, they love to ask questions. And there's no, like, gauge on the questions they ask. And so a couple years back, uh, Wendy was going to check the kids into school. We lived across the school over in North Fort Worth, and Meadow wasn't in school yet, so she's at home with, uh, with Wendy. I think she's about four, and Meadow comes in, and Meadow is like a lot like her mama. Like, she's just going to kind of ask questions, and she's real relational, and she's bubbly and fun, kind of life of party. And so she comes in for it. Lots of personality, this little girl, okay? I don't know where she gets it from. Lots of personality. And so she comes in, and, and she asks the lady that's, that's working on the other side at, at the school. She says, you like my shirt? <laughs> I do. I, I like your shirt. She said, do you, do you like the weather? Yeah, it's, it's a nice day. Okay. And she says, 
do you have on clean underwear? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess a legitimate question on any given day. <laughs> Which I guess when you have kids, you should probably ask that because we ask them that. You got on clean underwear? Did you, be, you know, kids, you never know. I mean, it could be the same thing they've been wearing all week long. I mean, who can know? Maybe not with girls, but I was the oldest of three boys. That definitely could have been, uh, that could have been the case for us. And so that lady just kind of stopped. She's like, ah, well, you know. <laughs> Meadow got the gift of persistence. She says, well, do you? <laughs> She's waiting for an answer. She's wanting to know. You got on clean underwear? And that lady just goes, I, I, I. I, 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 yes, I, I mean, we all should. We all should have, we should all wear clean underwear. And you think about moments, you're like, what do you do? Imagine if you were being asked that question, what do you do in a moment like that? You're just kind of like, is this four-year-old kidding? Are they not? Like, what do I say? There's other adults around. What if I'm like, this just happens to be the day. Like, I didn't change mine. What am I? I'm just, hey, you know what? I'm lying. I got it on. Jesus, forgive me, Lord. I got it. Yeah, I got on clean underwear, you know. And we, we, we wrestle with it. We're like, man, what do we do in moments like this? And we have moments. And how do we respond? And how do we, how do we act? And, and for that lady, that was a funny moment. We can laugh at it now. And the funny thing is, is Meadow would come in with Wendy later on through the year. And, and uh, she, I mean, she didn't forget. She'd, she'd interact with Meadow. And she'd tell Meadow, hey, you know, I, I got on clean underwear. Good to see you. I'm your, I'm your friend, you know. And Meadow's just kind of like eyeballing her. I don't know, does she really have on clean underwear? She, she don't look like she does, you know. You, you have these moments and these interactions, and they can be significant. Now, this one was funny. But there's all types of moments that we have in life. They mark our life. They're memorable. They're significant moments. And we start going, what do we do? How, how, do, we, how do we work through this? How, how do we get from where we're at? where we're going. How do we get from point A to point B? I mean, leadership is essentially helping someone get from here to there. In our own lives, we, we evaluate and we go, how do I get from here to there? And I want to talk to you today about how to get from here to there. How, how, how we get from here to there in our own life and the things that God may be speaking to you tonight. And some of you have, have a propensity, much like myself, that when you get dialed into something and you go, okay, now I know what I need to do, now I know what I need to work on, you can really dial into going, okay, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to get a game plan. I'm going to have all my to-dos in place. I'm going to have everything in order. And you think you've got it all planned out, and then someone comes in and goes, are you wearing clean underwear? And it throws you for a loop. And you're going, what do I do with this? And the question is, what are you wearing? Because that's what I want to talk about tonight. And we're going to look at the words of, of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And I'm going, to, I'm going to set this up because Zechariah is the, the prophet at the time. And the whole book of Zechariah is about rebuilding. Really what it's about, it's about moving forward. And there's a governor by the name of Zerubbabel, and, and, and Zechariah comes to this governor. And he has a word for him, because this man is about to rebuild. He, he has already rebuilt the altar, but now he's going to, to build and rebuild the temple. 
He's about to build something new. You are in a season of building something new in your life. This moment, prepare, wasn't just, oh, checkbox, went, fasted, did the services, great, awesome. No, no, no. This is a moment for you that can be more than a moment. It becomes a movement that moves you forward. That's what's happening in this moment. That's what's happening with Zerubbabel. That's what's happening, and Zechariah comes and speaks, and he speaks these words, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. He says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I'm just telling you, this is something God dropped in my heart a couple weeks back, and I've just been praying it, and it's really, it's been for me. But I believe it's a word for us. I believe it's a word for you. That as you move forward in what God has in store for you, it's not going to be by might. Some of you, that's you right there. Might. Boom. I'm going to go. Experience. I've done this before. I've had these moments before. I've had encounters with God. I've met with God. I know what I need to do. And you go through the rhythm and the routine. No. Not by might. Nor by power. You're not going to administrate your way through. You're not going to task your way through. You're not going to coerce your way through. You're not going to religious activity your way through. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, what's interesting is, is Zechariah is speaking here to Zerubbabel just before this, and he's talking about oil in these lampstands, and essentially what he's saying is this. He's saying, look, the same way that that lampstand needs to be filled from something external it can't provide through its own means, that's the case for you and me. Where you're going and what God wants to do in your life and in your heart isn't going to come through your own working. It's going to come from an external process. It's going to come from the Spirit of God being poured in you. And making a difference in what you do. You see, only divine action could fulfill God's promise. Only divine action can fulfill God's promise. He's going to pour into you. And it's not by your human strength. It's not by your might. It's by the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures in, in Psalms that I want to, because what I want to do is I want to help set the context, but I also want to empower you in this, because some of you, you're, you're listening to what I'm saying, and you're going, okay, okay, help me understand. What does that mean? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, that sounds real ethereal. Like, can we, can we do it? I mean, I don't know. A little too good to be true. What does that actually look like? Like, what, what do we do? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you some, some real practical things in a little bit. But I also want to give you the word. Because the word is what you're going to hold on to. The word is what's going to help you stay rooted in this principle and in this truth. I love the words of Psalms 44. Verse 4 through 8, it says, You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. Just interchange the word bow or sword. Not through your experience, not through your talent. 
not through your 401k, not through your team, not through the things that you've worked hard to establish, not through your, uh, your little side hustle that you've got going on because you're going, man, i got to make some money. i got kids in select sports, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and I need a little extra money. It ain't going to be all of that. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. It's in God that you begin to boast. It's in God that you recognize he is your strength. He is your fulfillment. He is what establishes you. He is what empowers you. Look, look at Psalms 33, 16 through 22. Same principle. And I want you to understand, I said this earlier. David wrote the majority of Psalms. He's a king. He was a warrior. You want to talk about a man who knew strength, a man who knew how to wield a bow and wield a sword, and yet those were his words, and then here he is again, Psalms 33, 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. The war horse Think about the horse, what was it? It was a mode of transportation, right? It was strength. You had, you had foot soldiers, but then you had a cavalry. And when the cavalry came in, it was like, that was a trump card. Those guys are the best of the best. What's the thing in your life you think is the war horse? You think, oh, this is my ticket. If I can just get that job, if I just get that position, if I just land this, and you're on the side, you're just working it. You're working it in your strength, in your own power. And God's going, no. It ain't by all of that. It's not those things that are going to save you. It's not those things. It's a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. So many of us are looking. We're looking for a boat anchor to be our life raft. And we wonder why we're sinking. We're looking, we're going, I, I need a life raft, but we're grabbing onto a boat anchor and then we wonder why we're sinking. Because it is a false hope and it cannot rescue you. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from, the death, from death and keep them alive in famine. You see, you look at this principle and you look at this idea, this thought, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And as I was preparing this message I, and, and thinking of you and, and even looking in my own life, I was reminded of, of one of my favorite individuals in the Bible. And his name is Gideon. Oh, there's a second part, verse 22, 20 and 22. Sorry, thank you for throwing that up. I was ready. I was already moving on. I'm not going to cheat you. We're going to keep reading, okay? <laughs> Bible's good. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Our hope is in him. Our hope is in his steadfast love. Our hope is in who he is. Our hope is in how he provides. I don't know if you've known, and, and here's, what's, here's what I love about God. I mean, we do our best to prepare, and we, do it, we, we communicate, and we get a game plan, but all along the way, all uh, tonight has been already, it's been about, God, here's who you are. In prayer, pre-service prayer, God, here's who you are. Psalms, here's who you are. The set list, God, here's who you are. Tonight, God, here's who you are. Here's who you are in our life. 
And I think about this individual named Gideon. And I love Gideon. We're going to look at Judges chapter 6. And, and I want to give a little setup and a context about an individual. Why Gideon? Because Gideon is a great example of what it looks like to live life not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, the, the people of Israel were just being tormented. There's a group of people named the Midianites, and, and it said that as the Israelites were building and as they were trying to establish, they really didn't have a home, they didn't have a land, they would, they would plant all these, uh, 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 this harvest and all their, all their uh, fields that the Midianites would come in and trample them. There were times where in, in describing the Midianites and the Amorites and these different groups of people, it would say that there were so many of them, it was like locusts, and that their camels were like sand. On a shore. They were everywhere. And so they, they, they have just been oppressed and tormented by this group of people. Well, God wants to deliver because that's what God does. He's a deliverer. And he already delivered them once from Egypt. And so he shows up and he's sitting under this tree. And, and this tree is right next to a threshing floor where this young man named Gideon is at. And then the Lord comes to Gideon, and we're going to pick up Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love how when God shows up, he always speaks to who we are. He doesn't ask you who you think you are. Because you don't think you're a mighty warrior sometimes. You don't think, man, I, you know, it's like Ephesians you know, I, I love the book of Ephesians. It's, it's, you know, you are his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. One translation says you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared ahead of time. When was the last time you woke up, looked in the mirror and said, you're a masterpiece? You're going, man, I need a haircut. I need to shave. I need to brush my teeth. You're a, I love how God shows up and he speaks to who you are. He doesn't ask you who you think you are. You're a mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Remember, they're oppressed. They're being overwhelmed. How many of you have been in a season going, God, look, if I'm a mighty warrior, if you're with me, then why is all this happening? Why is all this going on? Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? Why are the challenges and the troubles that I'm walking through? Why am I going through that? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now he's being a little sarcastic here. I, I like how the angel of the Lord, he's just kind of like, joking. Hey, go, go, go in, in the strength you have. You, you make it happen. You save Israel. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. In this moment, See, Gideon didn't see himself properly. I'm the least of the least. I'm the weakest of the weak. My tribe is the least of the least. And guess what? I'm the least of them. 
But yet, what did the angel of the Lord say? He said, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You notice that he said, hey, you're going to go, yeah, yeah, go do this in your own strength. Well, how am I going to do it? I'm the weakest of the weak. Well, well, well where does the, where, what begins to happen here? God, the angel of the Lord has showed up to Gideon. He begins to speak to him. He says, listen, I will be with you. And he takes him through these different things. He starts speaking to him. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear down these, these altars that actually your father has built and worshiping other gods. And he gives him these different steps of obedience. And he begins to do these things. And then he brings him to the moment where he's about to go and fight the Midianites. He's about to go and fight this group of people. He's about to go and face this overwhelming circumstance and situation. Least of the least. Weakest of the weak. And yet God shows up. And I'm going to fast forward to verse 33 and 34. Now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizirites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That word came upon in the Hebrew means to be clothed. What are you wearing tonight? You want to know what Gideon was wearing as he stepped into this circumstance and situation? He was wearing the Spirit of the Lord. Some would say it's almost as if like the Spirit of the Lord unzipped Gideon. He just kind of stepped inside. He zipped him up and went after it. What happened in the rest of the story? Well, here's what happened in the rest of the story. He goes and he takes him through this process. He goes, hey, you got thousands of men. I want you to whittle that down to 300. Gideon's like, man, are, are you sure? He goes, hey, all right, you, these are fighting men. I want you to get rid of the swords and all that stuff. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take lamps, and you're going to take trumpets, and you're going to go and surround this group of people, and I'm going to give you victory. And sure enough, he does. Gideon leads the people into victory. He surrounds the Midianites in their camp at night, lights all of these lamps, blows the trumpets, and the Bible says, it actually says, that the Midianites turned on each other. Gideon never lifted a sword one time. The Lord gave him victory. Why? Because he was with him. You see, you have Gideon in this moment where you have this moment where God comes upon him, clothes him with the Spirit, and he begins to walk in things that he could not do in his own. Not in his own might, not in his own power. You see, the same way Gideon experienced living out, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, so can you and I. Each and every day, we can be clothed with the spirit. We can walk through the challenges we're walking through and walk into the promises that God has for us. But not in our own strength. And not in our own capacity and willpower, but by the Spirit of God. You see, it's, it's, it's moments like this that God brings us to. We've all had them. I was reminded, for me, of, I think, three things that we're clothed with when we walk with the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I was reminded of these three words, these three things 
that God spoke to me back in 2017. You see, this is my, uh, this is my, my prepared prayer card from 2017. I still got it. And this was a season for me that was, and Wendy, for our family. There was a lot of transition. We had just moved back to Texas. There was a lot of things that were going on. There were challenges. There were, God, what are we going to do in life? We were going through transition. I'm so, I, I have such a heart for so many of you. There, like I said earlier, there's so many that are moving to this area and that have moved. It's like every weekend I meet someone new that's moved from California or from, you know, out of state or wherever it may be. It's like just flooding here. And yet there's this detachment and being able to be connected to and with people. Now, I remember writing this out, and I still, I, and I encourage you. This is why we do this. I, I, I still have it. I pray over these things. And on here, I've got different ones that are circled. God, you've answered this. God, you've answered this. God, you, there's still some on here. They're not circled. I'm going, God, you're still going to do that. You're still going to work, and you're still going to move. And I thought about three things that God in this season that I really was going, okay, I'm just going to make it happen. And God was going, no, 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 hold on. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That when we, when we allow the spirit to come upon us, that we're clothed in these things that I think are going to help us move forward. Here's the first thing I think that, that, that we wear, that we can be clothed with, when we're led by the Spirit, first is grit. Grit. I don't know about you, I like that word, grit. Some of you like that word. I like the word grit. Just gritty, right? But I'm not talking about grit like you got like a chip on your shoulder. How many of you know people like that? They're gritty, but they're not really, they're gritty. They're just kind of grumpy. There's a difference between gritty and grumpy. This past weekend, I shared out of John, and, and, and I shared with you, the word remain, and I'm going to throw it on the screen again, and we're reading about God, that Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and this overarching theme that Jesus continued to communicate, remain, 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 what does remain mean? Continue to exist, especially after other similar or related people or things have ceased to exist. You remain, well, if you're going to remain, you need a little bit of grit, where do you get that grit? It's not just willpower. It really, it comes from the Holy Spirit. You won't read grit in the Bible. You'll read it as perseverance. But here's the definition of grit. Grit is courage and resolve, strength and character. It's courage and resolve. So how do I develop grit? I want to help you. You're going, grit. Oh, I like that word. I want grit. Some of you know people. Here's how you develop grit in your life. When you are clothed with the Spirit and you have grit in your life, it comes because of prayer and the Word. Prayer and the Word. That's how you develop grit in your life. That when things are shaking, when, when things are going on, you're going, man, it's like my life is a tornado. Whoa, what's that scripture, Pastor Christian? Oh, Psalms 18. And you go, you read it. You don't need prepare. You don't need me. You got one of these in your home, at your desk, on your phone. Pick it up and read it. You start turning to God. You go, well, what do I say? What do I pray? You don't have to have perfect words. Help. Start there. You're in the middle of a tornado, just, Jesus, help. Just start with Je Jesus. Jesus. 
But prayer and the word, I, I want to help you practically because here's what happens. You know, you, you think, when I think about prayer, I think of, I think of, uh, uh, of kids. How many have little ones, you know? Little ones, man, they got, they're just, they just, they're tenacious when they're young. I remember when the girls were a little bit younger. They're still young, but I remember they're a little younger. I mean, you want to talk about, I never knew a little person could say your name that many times without taking a breath. Dad, 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 dad. I'm like, what? I mean, I don't even have time to respond. You just said dad like 85 times, you know? Their favorite little, there, there was like a little video, and it was like, you know, where you kind of mouth the words, and it was that one, it was like, ma, 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 you know, I don't know if you ever saw that one. That was like their favorite one. I was like, because that's how you live your life, you know? It's like, ma, 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 ma. It's like unending. It's, you know, how I many parents in here, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it doesn't cease. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, now I get an amen, you know? It's like, hey. But that's what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, when he says, pray without ceasing. What if we acted a little more with childlike face like our kids, and we're like, God, I need you. God, you make a way. God, I'm going to hold tight. I'm going to hold fast to your word. I'm going to be anchored. I'm going to just keep coming. Father, 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 Father. You start praying. I loved it in other translations of 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. The Amplified says, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. The message translation says, pray at all times. The passion translation says, make your life a prayer. The New Living Translation says, never stop praying. You see, not ceasing in prayer isn't because we have to convince or manipulate God. And it's not that he's ignoring us. It's to signify our dependency on him. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to see this the way you see it. Jesus, I want your perspective. I develop a little bit of... Can I tell you something? I'm just going to be honest with us. Sometimes we're soft. We're just soft. Ah, that hurt. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not minimizing any challenge anyone is walking through. But it's amazing how if it's not all rainbows and unicorns... End of the world, God ain't for me. No, 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 let's get a little grit and go, God, I'm going to pray. And then it's prayer plus what? The word. And here's what the word is. One, it's understanding, God, your word is the ultimate authority. If you've ever been to 101 class, I'd say it all the time. We don't stand over this word picking what we want out of it. We stand under the word of God. I don't take this word like a medicine cabinet and go, oh, I need this, so I'm going to pull this out. No, 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 no. I am the clay. I wrap my life around this word. My life is molded around this word. It's the ultimate authority, which means I, I, don't, I don't get to come and go, oh, I like this, I like that. Then what happens is when I recognize his word is the ultimate authority, here's what happens. I live a life aligned with his word. There's a lot of things and a lot of opinions. I love what Pastor Josh did last night. You weren't here. Go back and listen to it. Okay. Plot spoiler here. He's talking about, hey, I got some factory. He throws some stuff out there. He was talking about Denmark and, you know, hey, they have the, you know, the lowest taxes anyone else. And, and then he, he gave a couple of different things. He's like, and all of that was a lie. None of it was true. And he was like, some of you are already, I'm moving to Denmark, you know. That's how sometimes we live life. He was so spot on. 
We're watching news. We're listening to this and we're listening to that. And we're watching the ticker. And we allow our lives to be aligned with all of that stuff. All of the negativity. All of the social media. All of the things out there that's going on. The loudest voice when the loudest voice should be God's word in our life. We develop grit. We clothe ourselves with grit when we live by the Spirit, not by might. See, the grit doesn't come by might and power. It comes by the Spirit. We clothe ourselves with that. And we fuel that. We develop that with prayer and with the Word. Here's the second thing I think we clothe ourselves with. When we're not living by might and power, but by the Spirit, it's grace. Grace. You need to be clothed with grace. I love grace because grace allows you to grow through challenging situations. It, it allows you to just kind of work through the rough edges. How many of you ever had to give someone grace and you've had to receive grace, right? It's grace. You see, grace changes who we are. 2 Corinthians 5.17, what says that you are a new creation. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Where does that come from? It comes from a relationship with Jesus. We accept and walk in the grace that we receive from him. And it changes who we are. How many of you know in the season that we're all in, if you're going to continue to move forward, you can't do the same thing you've been doing? You need the grace of God to change who you are and help you move into the new season that you're walking in. You see, there's grace that comes because Jesus is with us. Remember what Gideon did. I'm the least of the least. I'm the least of the least. I'm the least of the least. And what did the angel of the Lord say? I'm with you. I'm with you when you walk onto that campus. And you have anxiety and toxic relationships. I'm with you when you walk into that business deal. And you're thinking, I'm going to work it. I'm reminded of a story when we first moved here. We had, uh, we, it, it's really actually kind of funny and yet not surprising. We had come down for prepare. And so while we were here, uh, in between one of the session or uh, one of the days, it was like during the day, it was like on Tuesday, just before the night session. We were like, I had looked at all these different apartments. So Wendy and I were looking at like 10 to 15 different apartments. We were going here, going there, going here, going there, going here, going there. And we found one. We locked in on it. We put a deposit down. We, you know, all this stuff, right? And then I'm over at our Keller campus. I'm meeting with Tyrant, Pastor Tyrant, and our youth team and just kind of doing some stuff with them and helping them out with some stuff. And all of a sudden I get, I think she, did you FaceTime? I think it was a FaceTime. It was a FaceTime. And Wendy's on the, I got her on FaceTime. And, you know, if you've met Love Biscuit, she's, you know, real loud and, and you know, exuberant and animated. And she's like, baby! I said, boo, where are you? I'm like, well, are you busy? Well, I'm, I'm in a meeting. And so there's like 10 other people in the room. And, and she's like, I found our house. I was like, what, what are you talking about? She's like, well, uh, Betsy and I, Betsy's the one that leads worship. She probably is, I mean, she's holy as holy can get, right? And so she, she, she leads worship at our Keller campus, and her and Wendy, uh, well, Tyron and I, and uh, Wendy and Betsy, we've been close friends for a long, long time. They were in their neighborhood. Apparently, Betsy found a house that was for rent right around the corner, calls Wendy. Wendy drives over there. I had no idea. You know, Wendy's driving over there. She's like, well, I kind of broke into this house. <laughs> like, kind of broke into this house? Like, what does that actually mean? Like, did you pick the lock? Are there, is there an alarm going off? Are the cops going to show up? And she said, well, you know, the back door was unlocked. 
oh, okay, well, then that makes it better. She's like, this is it, baby. This is our house. This is our house. Said, okay, all right, well, whatever we need to do. Well, we go, and so we decide this is going to be the house that we're going into. And we got to go back to the apartment that we already put a down payment on. And I, don't, I think I was still in meetings. Wendy went. And Wendy's the one telling me this story after the fact. And she's sitting there, and she's about to go in. She's like, I'm going to go in. I'm just going to tell them what happened. And m- maybe I'm going to cry a little bit. And I don't know. I'm just going to be like, you know. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you get pulled over by a police officer. You know, you're like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to try and get out of this one? And she's like, she, and she's telling me the story. So I'm listening to her tell me when I first hear it. And I'm like, oh, well, what did you do? You know, and she's like. But right before I got out, the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh, you aren't going to be able to work this deal. I'm going to do it. And she just goes in and tells them what happened. And they say, you know what? We don't ever do this, but we understand what's going on. And they refunded all of our money except like $70 of like a processing fee. Because it was in that moment, Wendy recognized well, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. God's grace, he's with us and he's for us. You see, that's what begins to happen. You see, in our weakness, we're made strong. That's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. His grace. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you read about Gideon in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, he's actually listed in there as the heroes of faith. And actually talks about he's a hero of faith based on his weakness. And that in his weakness, he was made strong. You see, grace allows you to walk in a strength that you can't find in yourself. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is more than enough. His grace will allow you to walk in that. And when you have that grace, guess what comes out of you? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit begins to come out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what begins to come out of you. And you continue to read in Galatians chapter 5. You go on from verse 22, and this is what it says. Paul writes in verse 25. Because if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, grace allows you to stay in step with the Spirit as you live every day. As you walk through your day and you're trying to find the pace at which you need to operate. It's the Spirit of God that helps you walk with the pace that you need, to be able to make the decisions that you need, to be able to love your spouse the way you need, to be able to respond to your children the way you need, because what happens is when you're led by the Spirit, you have grit, you have grace, but here's the third thing you're clothed with, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude is the shortest lived emotion, it's amazing how quick we say thank you and forget. I'm guilty, okay? Guilty. Thank you for that. People's generosity, their kind word. Thank you. Moving on. It's amazing how grace is the shortest lived emotion. I mean, gratitude is the shortest lived emotion. But when you're led by the Spirit, you walk with a gratitude that shifts your perspective. 
You begin to change the way you see things. When was the last time you had a moment with God and instead of thinking about all you needed, you remembered who he was? That's what we've been doing tonight. God, I need, I need. It's not to say we don't have needs. But what begins to happen is when I stop a minute, I remember who he is. It changes my perspective. You see, my current perspective is shaped by my overall concern. My current perspective, it's shaped right now. You walked in these doors. Whatever your overall concern is, that's what's shaping your perspective. Child, pain, transition, hurt, loss, job opportunity, financial provision, frustration in a marriage, in a relationship, challenges in, in, in business with your coworkers or your employees or your business partner. But here's what happens. Gratitude says, I see God of the impossible moving on my behalf. In the midst of all of that concern, I see God of the impossible moving on my behalf. I don't want us to ever take, I don't want to ever take God's presence for granted. It's gratitude that allows us to be able to see from that vantage point. We stop and we say, God, I thank you. I'm going to pray for you here in just a minute. I'm going to invite Chris to come. But when you think about living not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's you, just like Gideon, in your weakness. You, you may be here tonight, and you're going, man, Pastor Chris, you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know how my, my life, my marriage, my family, my kid, I mean, just light it on fire. It's a dumpster fire. God is a God of hope. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of purpose. God is a God that when you are trying to move by might, and you're trying to move by power. He says, no, 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 it's my spirit. It's not going to be you making it happen. I'm going to come in. I'm going to pour myself into you. I'm going to come upon you. And you're going to live with a different measure of grit than other people around you. You're going to have a different level of grace than you've had before. You're going to see from a vantage point of gratitude like you never have because you remember who I am in your life. I'm reminded of what begins to happen because see when we live this way it's generational oh what do you mean pastor chris i'm going to give you an example and i want to share with you isaiah 61 about what happens and i love how it ends here once we get to verse 3 it says the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, when you live by the Spirit, 
You become an oak of righteousness. I don't know if you've ever been around just a big old oak. I grew up in Austin. There was an oak called Treaty Oak. I think they said it was 100 and some odd, maybe even 200 years old. You think about that. You think about how large it is and how long it's been growing and how... You see, when you live by the Spirit, you're establishing something that isn't just for you. It's for your children, and it's for your children's children, and it's for your children's children's children. That all those things that Isaiah just listed out, the freedom that comes, the liberty that comes, you set a new course and a new path. And for so long, we live in a society and a world where it's so easy to be dialed into just making it happen. Where God is taking us as a church, where God is taking you as individuals and as, an, as families, it's not going to be by might, nor by power, but by my spirit.